Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you guys can be seated. I have a special gift for you today. I hope, I think they're in here somewhere. Let me get a mic. I'm going to be on Wendy's mic here. Are they here? Do I see them? Where are my children at? Am I not looking for them? Are they here? She's going to go get them. Did she forget about the kids? She waited to the last minute. So this kind of ruins the whole vibe we got going on now. So, so how are you guys doing? Everybody going okay? Yeah? Yeah? Hey, there they are. Embry and Zoe, you guys come on up here. Y'all give them a hand. Come on up here, sweetie. Come on up here. Come on up here. Yes, yes, yes. You guys look really nice today. Don't they look nice, y'all? Don't they look nice? All right, get a picture of them right here real quick. Get a picture of them real quick. Hold on a second. Yeah, get a picture of them real quick. I'm being told to turn on the mic. Thank you. All right. All right, now let's make funny faces. Ready? One, two, three. One. If you had an apple, it would be better. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. All right, is this on? It's on. You guys hold this, you're going to hold it, you're going to share it, okay? Now listen, whatever you do, don't screw up, okay? So let me tell you what they're doing. So their class has been memorizing um, and going through the book of John. How cool is that? Is that cool or what? Yeah. And so I was in the hall the other day and they were like, hey, guess what? And I said, what? And they were like, watch this. And then in unison, they said the first three verses, four verses of John. So... Guess what they're going to do this morning for you? You guessed it. Go ahead, y'all. Take it away. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. John, John 1, chapter 1, 1, verses 1 through 4. You guys give it up for that. Yeah. Give me a hug, y'all. You did great. You did so great. You, did so great. you guys are so much smarter than your parents. It's so awesome. Especially your moms. All right. Hey, let's be honest. How many of you guys could do that? Nope. Nope. I can tell you the, rap, the, the lyrics of every 80s rap song that ever was, but I can't memorize scripture. So bad. Please don't. I said a hip hop, hip it to the hip it to hip hip hop. You don't stop the rocking to the bang bang boogie. I've done the boogie to the rhythm of the boogity beat. You know that one? Yeah, but I can't do John in the beginning was the word. Kind of funny, kind of funny. I'm just curious because I'm ADD. Is there a reason all these lights are off? Is this a new thing for me? Is it new? Is there a reason? Can you guys see? I feel like you're in the dark. We're talking about John and Jesus, so can we bring them in the light? Is this what we usually are, or is it more light than this? Am I messed up here? Do you? Okay. All right. 
All right. Yes. Yes. I hear you. Sawyer. Sawyer wanting that decrease in the graduation gift, I see. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You are getting, there's nothing wrong with Walmart, but you are getting the Walmart Bible. Everybody else getting Lifeway. All right. So, you're getting the, you're getting the Gideon version. Um, all right. So, I mean, so am I crazy here? Is it darker in here than usual? Now Lynn's trying to, now you just put me like a tater log under a heat lamp <laughs> in the quick sack. What's going on? All right. Well, Lynn, is it really just going to, like, Lynn, like the side lights aren't on is what I'm saying. You don't know what's going on? So let me see. You forgot the bumper. Now you don't know what the side lights are. What's going on here, Lynn? So anyway, no, Lynn does a great job. I only point out his mistake because I make them every week and he covers me, which is good, like I did today because I wrote the wrong scripture in here and I just told him literally at one minute till 10, dude, I gave you the wrong scripture. And he was like, oh, so I need to go get a whole other verse? Yes. And so he probably has done it, I hope. We'll see. So, hey, listen, if you have your Bibles, turn to John, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, you just heard verses 1 through 4, which was pretty awesome. John chapter 1. Today we're going to be talking about verses 19 through 28, John chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. I do want to give you a little bit of a heads up. This week is going to be a lot of teaching and a whole lot less preaching. Uh, I felt like that um, my wife said, you know what, you was preaching today. I said, well, thanks a lot. That's awesome. Uh, but I'm going to be teaching a lot this week because there's some information that you need to understand and you need to see the layers because there's layers to what John is going to say here. So you need to see the layers in order to understand what's going on. And so let me remind you, if you weren't here last Sunday, that John was the disciple that Jesus loved. And he's the author of the book of John. He's answering the questions for Christians in Ephesus. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are known as the synoptic gospels because they actually include all kinds of biographical information about uh, Jesus. John doesn't do that. He picks up right as Jesus' ministry is getting ready to begin. Now the book is separated into two parts. The first part is chapters 1 through 12. And it's called the book of signs. And that's all that he did. And then John 13 through 21 is the book of glory, which is, is his life and giving, us, uh, giving himself over to sin and death so that we can have eternal life. Now, I want to tell you what the main goal is. And here's the main goal, and here's why we call it believe. The main goal is this. John chapter 20, verse 31 says this. John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, but these are written so that you may continue to what? Believe. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And then by what? Believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. John wanted you to connect the fact that when you believe, you have life. When you believe, you have life. And in order to make you understand that, He has to make you understand that, that Jesus is who He says He is. That He is God. He was the Word in the beginning. And He was the creative arm of God. He was in the beginning, was, He was who He says He was. 
And even now he was who he says he was. And John tells you this. He says, listen, I want you to understand something. I'm not some third or fourth party person. I saw this myself. I am a first person account to this situation. And I want you to understand that. And so today, the text is what we're going to do is we're going to read the text and then we're going to go back and we're going to go through each part of the text because I don't want you to miss it. Here's what it says. Starting in John 9, uh, 1, verse 19 through 28. It says this. Let me find it for you here. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those that sent us. See, people had sent him out to say, hey, you guys need to go find out who the heck this guy is. And so he goes out and they're like, hey, look, are you this person? Are you this person? Are you this person? He goes, no, no, no. Then who are you? Because I need something to go back and tell the people that sent me here. Because if I don't tell them who you are, I'm going to be in trouble. What do you have to say about yourself? And so then John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent out asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or the prophet or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? And John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. And then he says, this encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. So what's going on here? I want to jump right in and let you know what's going on here. The first thing that John does is he is accosted basically by these religious people that were sent out from those that were curious about what's going on. Now, why would they be curious? Well, they probably had a twofold curiosity. The first curiosity would be this. The first curiosity would be who in the heck, you know, is there some kind of spiritual component to this guy? Is this guy some kind of false prophet? Is he a real prophet? Who is he claiming to be? The second one, and probably the most important one that you need to realize, is there probably was a whole lot less of a spiritual component and there was much more of a power component going on here. They wanted to know who he was. And they wanted to know because they had probably seen these things before. And they, were, they liked the power. They liked having control over the people. And so they were like, hey, who are you? And then they started accosting him and asking all these questions. So there was probably a, a power component going on here too. And so you've got two things. You've got a spiritual component and a power component. So they come upon him. And then they start to ask him these series of questions to which he replies in the negative. The first one is this. John, in verse 19 through 20, made it very clear that he wasn't the Messiah. Let's read that. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple, from the, uh, and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Now, they didn't say, are you the Messiah? They said, who are you? And he said, I am not the Messiah. I'm not the one that is to come. Now, they wanted information because they had heard and seen what was going on. And they probably felt threatened. 
And instead of beating around the bush, instead of making them kind of wait and see, he says, listen, I want you to understand something. I'm not the Messiah that was foretold about. That's not me. That's not me. I'm, he, he, didn't, he didn't say, well, you know, no. He wanted to make it real clear. Now, why? here's the question you would have and I would have. Why in the world did John, when he was writing this book, make sure that John the Baptist said that? Why would he want to make sure that he highlighted that he said that? Well, there's a lot of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is, is because John's writing in the book, his main goal is to make you know and for you to, you to believe and to live because you recognize and realize that the Messiah was Jesus, the one which the good news is being written about. So the first thing he says is, no, I am not the Messiah. So then we go to the second part. John 1.21, he says this. Well, then, who are you, they ask. Are you Elijah? And he says, no, I'm not. So John made it clear that he wasn't the Messiah. John also made it clear that he wasn't Elijah. So why in the world would they think he was Elijah? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Malachi chapter 4. Verse 5, let's look at what it says. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 says, Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and de dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Now let's leave that up there. I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. So here's what you need to understand. The office of prophet had laid dormant for 400 years. Malachi was the last book in the Old Testament. And one of the last things that the prophet Malachi had said was this. I am sending, he said, this is from God's own mouth. I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. And then suddenly the office of the prophet goes dark for 400 years. There had been no mouthpiece of God. Think about that for a second. And I know we think 400 years, we're like, yeah, hey, listen, y'all, think about 400 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. 400 years is a long amount of time. 400 years is much older than America itself, us being a country. 400 years of nothing, of nothing, of no one standing up and be, being the mouthpiece of God and speaking forth as a prophet would about God. And so they, so they came up on him. He immediately told them, I'm not the Messiah. And then they said, well, wait a minute. If you're not the Messiah, then you must be Elijah. And he said, no, I'm not Elijah. Now that brings up a very, very difficult situation though. All right. And you may be asking, especially if you know your scriptures here, you may say, well, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say that John the Baptist was Elijah and was rejected? Well, let's take a look. Matthew chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. Now, they had just come off the, the, um, up from transfiguration, and they start having a discussion. Then his disciples asked him, Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return 
before the Messiah comes. Let's leave it right there. So are you starting to see the mindset in the religious people's minds when they come to John the Baptist? See, what their thought was, was, wait a minute. If you're not the Messiah, then let's go to the next question. And the next question is, are you Elijah? Because if you're Elijah, then coming behind you will be the Messiah. And then let's go to verse 11. And he said this, Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. And then we go on. But I tell you, and here it is, Elijah had already come, but he wasn't recognized. And they chose to abuse him. And in the same way, they will also make the Son of Man suffer. Then the disciples realized he was talking about John the Baptist. Well, that's confusing. I thought, I thought that John the Baptist just said that he wasn't Elijah. But Jesus says that, yes, Elijah had already come and they didn't recognize him. So what's going on here? Which one is true? Is Matthew's writing true or is John's writing true? Well, in order to understand that, you have to go into a third. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 17. Luke chapter 1, verse 17 says this. He will be a man, talking about John the Baptist, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elisha. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom, the wisdom of the godly. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Let me explain something to you here in the scriptures that happens oftentimes. And it actually happened with Jesus as well. I want you to hear this. Whenever Malachi was telling, can we go back to the Malachi verse? Whenever Malachi made this proclamation, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Okay, now let's go back to Luke chapter 1. Whenever Malachi made that proclamation, Malachi wasn't talking about literally sending Elijah the actual prophet Elijah before Jesus began his ministry. We know that because Luke 1 says, and he will be a man with the, can we say spirit? Spirit and power of Elijah. You see, here's what happens oftentimes. Oftentimes, because of our limited mind and because of our limited mindset, we have a tendency to always look for those that are in the natural and the concrete and not in the supernatural and the spiritual. Are you with me? Let me say that again. Because of our limited mindset and because of our limited understanding, we, have a, we, have a, a, we usually do this. We usually think in the concrete and the natural and not the supernatural and the spiritual. So can you think of another time in scriptures where people were thinking of the natural and the concrete and not the supernatural and the spiritual? Let me help you out. Jesus Christ himself. 
You see, here's what happened. They were looking for an earthly king because it had been foretold that this would occur. And all of the things they were looking for was an earthly king with, with earthly power and with earthly domination so that they could rid themselves rid themselves of all the other uh, all the other occupiers all the other countries all the other influencers from all over the world and that Christ himself Jesus Christ would come the messiah would come and he would be an earthly king that would reign earthly in the natural the truth is is he did come in the natural and the reason listen the reason the reason that he was killed was because he was not. One of the biggest reasons is because he wasn't, he didn't live up to their expectations. They thought he would be one way and they didn't understand that his kingdom was not one that was earthly. It was physical. It was one that was supernatural. It was a spiritual kingdom. Now, let me tell you the best part. We get the hindsight of looking at this now. And we, what we do is, is we go, of course. I mean, duh, can't you see? He's spiritual. He talks about it all the time. Yeah, but if you were looking for something for 400 years, that'd be a little different, or even longer than that, actually. And so what I want you to understand is, is that we would, may have been confused as well. But here's the cool part. The first time they got it wrong, but the next time we're not going to get it wrong. Because the first time he came in power from a, for a spiritual, the second time he's coming back in power as a king on his throne. Both for the spiritual and the natural. And the concrete. Jesus was a spiritual, he was a spiritual king Elijah had the power and spirit of Elijah. I mean, I mean, John the Baptist had the power and spirit of Elijah, and they didn't recognize it. So he's not the Messiah. He's not Elijah. Well, let's look at verse John, John verse 121, the second part. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. Now here's the question. What prophet are they talking about? What does it mean, are you the prophet that, that we're expecting? What prophet are we talking about here? I'm glad you asked. Thank you so much, Sawyer. Thank you so much for being so inquisitive. Thank you for asking. Let's look at Deuteronomy 18, 18. They would have known this. He says this, he says, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything that I, that I command him. I will raise up a prophet from among you. I will raise up this prophet. They were looking for a prophet. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for a sign from Elijah. They were also looking for a prophet. And Deuteronomy 18, 18 says very clearly, I will raise up this prophet from among their fellow Israelites. I will raise up this prophet and I will put my words in his mouth. And John the Baptist says, nope, not me. 
And so finally, in John chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, he says, Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? And John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. That's kind of odd that he would quote this verse. What the heck is he talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Isaiah, verse 40. Verse 3 says this, he says, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord and make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord and make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Here's what John the Baptist is saying. You need to prepare yourself. Get yourself ready. Prepare yourself and get yourself ready. For the Lord is coming. I am not the Messiah. I am not Elijah in the flesh. And I am not the prophet. I am a voice calling out to you. Get yourself prepared for the coming of the Lord. So here's what they said in response. Here was their response to that. After he revealed himself, they said this, John 1, 24 and 25. Remember, they were always thinking about the law. They were thinking about legalism. They were thinking about authority. They were always thinking about that. Here's what he says. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, If you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? Very interesting. What right do you have to baptize? So let me explain to you baptism. The thought of a, of a, of a spiritual cleansing, the thought of a, of a spiritual cleansing began way back in the law. But in between the times of the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew, in between those 400 years... They had started a practice known as baptism, being submerged, submerging under the water. You know, one of the, one of the, the, the easiest examples is when the powerful leader came to the prophet and said, he said, listen, I've got leprosy, what do I need to do? And he said, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. And he said, I'm not going to do that. And then his helper said, listen, if he'd ask you to do a hard thing, you'd do it. Now let's go do it. And finally he did it. And the scripture says on the seventh time when he was up, he became clean. And that's the first thought. But in between time, between Malachi and Matthew, we see this appearance. And mostly, and here's what it was for, and this is very important. Mostly it was for people that did not belong to the religion of Judaism. Okay? It did, they did not belong. They were non-Jewish. And so if they decided that they wanted to become part of the Jewish community, if they wanted to basically become part of that, they would then be required to go and be baptized for the cleansing of themselves. And here's an important part. 
the baptism was not for salvation. It was not. The baptism was a, 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 it was a cleansing baptism is what it was for. It wasn't even a symbol for salvation. It was a cleansing baptism. And here's the incredible part. And this is where it gets gooder and gooder. <laughs> you did the baptism yourself. It was a self-baptism. Now, let's go and let's take it down one more layer. Here's what John is saying to the Jewish leaders that have come out who would have considered themselves holy and pure and clean. He's saying, you need to prepare yourself for the coming of the Messiah. You need to make straight the way of the Lord. And then here's what he said. And you need to cleanse yourself. Because he wasn't just, he was baptizing both Jew. He was baptizing the Jewish people when they came upon him. You have any idea how frustrated and angry these people would have been? They would have been furious. You here are telling me that I need to be cleansed? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know my position? Don't you know my role? Don't you know? And it's amazing that it's a self-baptism. And I love that it's a self-baptism. And you know why I love that it's a self-baptism? Because our baptisms are not self-baptisms. Because we can't save ourselves. We can't cleanse ourselves. We can't. We can't. Even the very act of baptism in our... Wouldn't it be strange if I said, Hey guys, we're going to have a baptismal service today. And, you know... Gil is up in the baptistry and Gil's like, hey y'all, whoosh, whoosh. Wouldn't that be kind of strange? For Gil, it may not be that strange, but for other people, it may be strange. No, what is our symbol? Our symbol is a submission under the authority and being brought down and raised up as a symbol, as a symbol that Christ is the only one that can raise us up from the pit that we find ourselves in. He was clearly stating, you are unclean and you cannot clean yourself. You can't do it. And then in verse 26 through 28, he said, John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you don't even recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be a slave or untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. So John then says, here's what he says. He says, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I am a voice calling in the wilderness telling you to prepare the way. Why are you baptizing? I'm baptizing to tell you that you cannot clean yourself. And you need to prepare your hearts. You need to purify yourself to be ready for the king that's coming. And then he said, as a matter of fact, there's people here in the crowd that you don't even recognize. John points to Jesus. 
Now, this is a deeper thing, too, and so let's get this layer, and let's go down one more layer. I want you to understand what John is saying here. John the Baptist, when he spoke, says this. He says, there's someone here in the crowd, and you don't even recognize him. And I want you to understand something. I am not even worthy to untie his sandals. So what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Here's what that means. Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus would have followers around him. We see his 12 disciples around him. And they would oftentimes, we see this happen frequently if we read through the scriptures. We see Jesus saying, hey, go here and do that for me. Go, we see it in the Last Supper. Go here and prepare the Last Supper meal. At this room, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a, a donkey here. And then there's going to be, and, you know, and he tells the whole thing. Well, that's what rabbis would do. And these disciples would take care of the rabbi's needs. Except for one thing. Their feet, because of the dusty roads, were seen as the nastiest part of their body. And no disciple had to take off the sandals and wash the feet. That was a job by the servant, the slave. The slave would do that. And John is saying, I am not a disciple. I'm lower than a slave. I'm not even worthy to take off his sandals. I'm lower than that. And suddenly, in your minds, you should be thinking about the Last Supper where they were discussing who would be the greatest and Jesus gets up and he goes over to the basin and he, as a slave to his father, humbles himself and does what a servant does and begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And Peter gets frustrated and angry about this because it's the lowest of the low. And now you know why. Now you know why. There's something else interesting, though, about this verse. John says, I, I baptize with water. Well, that's interesting. Why would he say that? Well, because Jesus is going to baptize with something else. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 5. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the baptisms occurred, and we see Jesus himself baptized, we see Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove. What am I telling you? I'm telling you this. You can't clean yourself. Jesus, John the Baptist baptized with water, but Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which is the gift that we receive upon salvation, and Holy Spirit within us, when you connect with Holy Spirit within us, 
and you read his word and his word is opened up to you because of the knowledge that you gain from the Holy Spirit being within you, being your teacher, your counselor, your guide, when you, it's opened up, then you begin to change. And it's an interior to exterior, not exterior to interior. And John is saying, listen, I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. I baptize for a temporary cleaning. No, no, he's going to baptize and it's going to change your whole life. It's going to change his whole life. In Louisiana, there's something called lanyap. When you go to a restaurant, if it's a good restaurant in Louisiana, they're probably not going to do it at like McDonald's, okay? But in Louisiana, when you go to a restaurant, they give you a plate and then they put a little something extra, okay? It's called lanyap. Sometimes Wendy's, Wendy's dad and stepmom will come and say, hey, here you go, here's a little lanyap. And usually that's in the form of a check. We enjoy lanyap. <laughs> and Jarrell and Patty, if y'all are listening, we're ready for some lanyap. <laughs> I'm only kidding, kind of. Anyway, <laughs> but it's a little something extra. I didn't know what lanyap was. I definitely cannot spell lanyap, but there's a G in it. Lagniap is what it looks like to me. But when I met my bride, we, I learned this whole thought of, of lanyap. And so today, I've got a little lanyap for you. I got a little something extra. No, it's not the Krispy Kreme donuts that I bought you from the cheerleaders here at Central. No, it's not that, that you guys, some of you guys ate. It's a little something extra. This is a cool thing that you would miss if you didn't understand this. John the Baptist, whenever he is saying these things, he is out into the wilderness. He is out into the desert. The desert wilderness is what it is. When he goes out, he begins. Have you ever thought about that? Well, why didn't he just go into the city? Well, there's a reason he didn't go into the city. Do you know why he didn't go into the city? Do you know why he was in the wilderness? Because in almost every instance... When God appointed a prophet, he met them in the wilderness. He met them in the desert. The greatest example of that is Moses. The prophet, the office of prophet was now being opened up. And it was now going to be opened up. And God was about to speak and John the Baptist is saying, you need to prepare the way. You need to prepare the way. Make the way straight. And the Jewish people are saying, us? Yes. You too. I don't want to leave you without some practical applications. Let me give those to you real quick. The first thing I want you to know is this. It's that God's plan for the world is perfect. There's no missteps. There's no mistakes. He was very intentional. He was very intentional. God was very intentional in what would happen, how it would happen, and the way in which it would happen. He was very intentional. So God's plan for the world is perfect. It's perfect. The second thing is, I need you to know this, God's plan for us is perfect too. 
It's perfect, and we can trust it. Even though we don't understand it, even though we don't always agree with it, we can trust it. We can rely on it. There's a method to his, quote-unquote, what you would see as madness, but it's not madness. There's a method to what he's doing. The Scripture says that his ways are higher than ours, and we can't always comprehend that. But I'll tell you this. God plan, God's plan for us is perfect, too. The third thing, as you heard all day today, is you can't clean yourself. We can't clean ourselves. The baptism uh, was temporary with, with John. Listen, if Gil did go up there and get in the water and start dunking up and down, he would be clean for a moment, all right? And then he would go out and he would live in the world, and the world by itself would make him dirty again. We, can't clean, we cannot clean ourselves. And the final thing, and this is, this is the most important part. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this today. Follow John the Baptist's example and go lower. Follow his example and go lower. I want to leave you with this verse in John chapter 3 that we're actually going to study in a few weeks. John chapter 3, starting in verse 23. It says this, it says, At this time John the Baptist was baptizing in Anon near Salim, because there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. And then a debate broke out uh, between John's disciples and a certain Jewish order ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came and, and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of going, is coming to us. And here's what he said. He said, John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourself know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the best man simply is glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. And here it is, verse 30. Life verse, you should have this as your life verse he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. If you have a situation, if you have an opportunity, I want to encourage you as it relates to God and you, go lower and lower. And watch as God goes higher and higher. And then watch how he changes your life. Go lower. Be like John the Baptist and go lower. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. Lord, I'm thankful for the fact that you give us this word of yours. I'm thankful for the fact that you are a good God that we oftentimes do not understand, but we believe in you, Lord, and we trust in you, Lord, and we know that you have our best interests at heart, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the fact that you make our lives something and you give us life because of our belief in you. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the way you're moving in our lives. And God, even though we don't understand it, thank you sometimes for the hard times. Thank you for the times when you pull us away by yourself and you teach us and you grow us. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I praise you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you would continually bring to our minds to go lower and lower. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song. If there's something on your heart, you may come down. I'd love to pray with you. If you the altar is always open. I'd love for you guys to come down. And uh, don't, don't, leave, don't leave the same way you came in, you guys.
Just leave it, leave it on the altar. Give it over to God. Let's, let's stand up and let's sing. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.